And welcome to Biblical Tapestry, Season 6, Episode 11, A Study in the Book of Jeremiah. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the Gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode, we will investigate Chapter 6, where Jeremiah describes vividly the coming siege of Jerusalem. The people should have been struck by fear, but instead ignored the warning. Are we still ignoring the warnings in God's Word? All right, let's uh, start in Jeremiah 6, verse 1. I ask you to forgive my voice. I am recovering from the last vestiges of a COVID infection that I did not anticipate. All right, Jeremiah 6, chapter 1, or, or verse 1. Flee for safety, O people of Benjamin, from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Tekoa and raise a signal on Beth Hasarim. For disaster looms out of the north in great destruction. The lovely and delicately bred I will destroy the daughter of Zion. Shepherds with their flocks shall come against her. They shall pitch their tents around her. They shall pasture each in his place. Prepare war against her. Arise and let us attack at noon. Woe to us for the day declines, for the shadows of evening lengthen. Arise and let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Cut down her trees, cast up a siege mound against Jerusalem. This is the city that must be punished. There is nothing but oppression within her. As a well keeps its water fresh, so she keeps fresh her evil. Violence and destruction are heard within her. Sickness and wounds are ever before me. Be warned, O Jerusalem, lest I turn from you in disgust, lest I make you a desolation, an uninhabited land." Now, Jeremiah understood clearly what God was asking him to declare, even to his own tribe, what it meant to his own tribe of Benjamin. Jeremiah, again, was a Benjamite, which was, they lived in the northern border of Judah. And look what his appeal was to his own people. Verse 1, Flee to safety, O people of Benjamin. From the midst of Jerusalem, blow the trumpet in Tekoa and raise a signal on Beth Hasarim, where disaster looms out of the north in a great destruction. He tells his own tribe of Benjamin to flee the coming disaster from the north, to even flee from being inside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was about to be encircled as part of the siege that Babylon would be bringing to it. We see that by the list of the cities in verse 1 that surround Jerusalem. Tekoa, was located about 12 miles south of Jerusalem and was the hometown of the prophet Amos. We read in Amos 1.1, the words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Next mention is Beth Hasarim, which means house of the vineyard. Now, the exact location is unknown, but it may be, and we're saying maybe, Tel Ramat Rachem, which is between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, but still south of the city. So that tells you that the invading armies had gone beyond and were surrounding the city to the north and to the south. And to raise the signal would be to create a fire signal that could be seen from city to city as the enemy approached. There are some historical references to signal fires, found in the Lakish letters. Now, the Lakish letters are a collection of text 
excavated at a biblical Lachish in the southern Israel area that date to the years immediately preceding the site's destruction by, you guessed it, Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. An officer in charge of an outpost several miles from Lachish in Ezka had written in these letters that they were watching for the signals of Lachish as the Babylonian army was approaching. Verse 2 says, The lovely and delicate bread I will destroy the daughter of Zion. Shepherds with their flock shall come against her. They shall pitch their tents around her. They shall pasture each in his place. Now observe that Jerusalem, Zion, is described as lovely and delicate, but that's not going to save the city from destruction. And in verse 3, the destruction is compared to a lovely pasture that is set upon by shepherds and flocks, an invading flock stripping bare of the land and taking all the spoils of the land with them. Verse 4 says, Prepare war against her. Arise and let us attack at noon. Woe to us, for the day declines, for the shadows of evening lengthen. Arise and let us attack by night and destroy her palaces. These verses represent the invading army planning the destruction of Jerusalem. So inclined was the armies against Jerusalem that attacking in the middle of the heat of the day was ideal. And they mourned the coming of the night, but as they continued to plan... They plan to continue the battle at night and destroy the palaces. Now normally in this time of history, attacks at night were quite rare. Verse 6 through verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, cut down her trees, cast up a siege mound against Jerusalem. This is the city that must be punished. There is nothing but oppression within her. As a well keeps its water fresh, so she keeps fresh her evil. Violence and destruction are heard within her. Sickness and wounds are ever before me. Be warned, O Jerusalem, lest I turn from you in disgust, lest I make you a desolation, an uninhabited land. Here we have the anatomy of an ancient siege as it comes into focus here. Trees were cut down around a city to clear obstacles, and the wood was used to build siege ramps and make battering rams against the city walls. This was punishment for a city that was oppressive to his citizens. Jerusalem's perpetual flow of wickedness was being refreshed like a running stream or a well. It was never ending. It was full of violence. It was destruction. It was sickness. It was wounds. And we get a good view of what was happening here from the messages that God gave Ezekiel, a contemporary of Jeremiah, while he was in captivity. In Ezekiel 16.48, as I live, declares the Lord God, your sister Sodom and her daughters didn't do what you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the sin of your sister Sodom and her daughters. Pride, too much food, undisturbed peace, and failure to help the poor and the needy. In their arrogance, they committed detestable practices in my presence. So when I saw it, I removed them. Samaria didn't commit half of your sins. You practiced more detestable deeds than they did. You've caused your sister to be more righteous than you because of the detestable practices that you've committed. So now bear your own shame as you mediate for your sisters. The sins that you've committed are more detestable than theirs. That makes them more righteous than you. Indeed, be ashamed and bear your reproach because... 
you made your sisters to be more righteous than you. Did you get that? Sodom and Samaria were more righteous than Jerusalem at this time? That is a very strong rebuke. And in verse 8, God states for Jerusalem to be warned, lest God make it a desolate, uninhabited land, which it would become. All right, let's move towards Jeremiah 6, verses 9 through 15. Now watch, as these appear, at least initially, to be a conversation between God and Jeremiah. Verse 9, Thus says the Lord of hosts, They shall glean thoroughly as a vine the remnant of Israel, like a grape-gatherer pass your hand against over again over its branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised, they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is in them, an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Therefore I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Pour it out upon the children in the street and upon the gatherings of young men also. Both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very aged. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punishment punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. But looking back at verse 9, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Though they, they shall glean thoroughly as a vine the remnant of Israel, like a grape-gatherer pass your hand again over its branches. God orders in this verse the gleaning of Judah, much like a hand sweeping through a grapevine to see if a cluster had grapes had been missed, perhaps saying every person is taken or destroyed, or it be a notification of complete destruction, nothing of value is going to be left. Verse 10 says, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised, they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn, they take no pleasure in it. Therefore, let's look at the first part of verse 11. Therefore, I am full of the wrath of the Lord, I am weary of holding it in. So, if we look at this as a conversation, so in verses 10 through this first half of verse 11, Jeremiah here is the one speaking. Now you can hear the note of exasperation coming from Jeremiah here. He is exasperated about what's going on. He says, who do I need to warn because no one is going to listen to me? They don't even want to hear from God anymore. They have grown tired of the warnings. When people are in rebellion against God, they find no pleasure in the words of God in 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul writes, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the obedient heart receives the word from God with pleasure. We see that in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15.16 Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. The people found the pronouncements from Jeremiah coming from God offensive. 
looking at the second half of verse 11. Pour it out upon the children in the street and upon the gatherings of young men also. Both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very aged. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together, for I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. So here's God speaking now. The coming judgment will be poured out on the people, on all the people, regardless of age or status in life. All that they owned will be taken as spoils of war. Babylon would be successful only because God had stretched out his hands against the inhabitants. This stretching out of the hands is a figure of striking someone. This was God's judgment. But understand that his purpose was to cleanse his covenant people and bring them back to him again. All right, verse 13. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. The culture in Judah had been so influenced by greed, so much from the least to the greatest were involved, from priests to prophets, all were practicing deceit for their own gain. The nation was depraved, but the nation was being told at the same time that, hey, all is good. They were like physicians placing bandages over festering wounds, pronouncing, it's all healed. They were saying, peace and peace, when there was no peace. There is no peace for the wicked. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 48:22, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Empty, assuring words are not a shield against punishment for wickedness. We also read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, where Paul writes, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware of the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people were saying, There is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Judah felt no shame for their sins. Even the religious leaders failed to identify sin, but preferred to go along with the culture using words of false hope and false assurance. In our next episode 12 in season 6, we'll finish chapter 6 where Jeremiah shows it was not too late. There was a way to avoid the coming punishment, but once again that was met with ridicule. I hope you will follow season 6 as we continue to follow the career of Jeremiah and the historical accounts around his ministry. Again, Biblical Tapestry is available on Facebook. Yes, Facebook and Instagram. And I encourage you to please like and share this podcast if you've learned something new about God's Word. May God bless you today, and I hope everyone is not ill. I hope you're all well.